what's going everyone welcome back to rogue opinions my name is nathan and i'm with carl and carl who on earth is this this is our newest addition to the rogue opinions team mr reese saunders hello hey, guys hello how are we all yeah not so bad how do, how do you like uh, the office so far um, I made a pre- I made a prediction to be king of the fruits by the end of the day. I'm still working on it. Um, a lot of you seem to like fruits and vegetables, so that's going to change. And um, yeah, apart from that, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. That's all right. We'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't tell anybody we've got him chained up in the closet for Christ's sake. Yeah, it's oh. just like a like a work experience kid at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> I am not cleaning the toilets. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> I I have seen what Carl done in there, did in there prior to me starting this, and I'm not liking what I saw or smelt. God, let's let's not talk about this because the the next <laughs> Naked Men podcast also opens with Ben talking about shit. So <laughs> it, can't, it can't be two podcasts in a row. <laughs> but uh, but no, um, yeah, Reese is here. He's got a world of ideas, so he's going to be doing lots of mostly sports based content. Would you say? Yes, yes, I um. I have a treasure trove of knowledge in my head from many sleepless nights of being alone and looking on Wikipedia and watching sporting events. So I will pass in on my knowledge to the people of the world. That's how Carl got his extensive porn knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) I was about about to comment, actually. Couldn't you just masturbate like a normal person? stuff like that speaking of comebacks see he's brought the tone down straight away nathan i mean we are high brow and then we get this reset and what was that then hey hey i've got a minute yeah i have lasted longer with this podcast than i did all the other ones by not mentioning penises which i've just oh, done god see <laughs> i'm sorry yeah the la- uh, the last time i you guys heard me do a podcast i said many swear words with the first 10 seconds it's true. There's noticed a lot, a lot of change, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more wise and mature now. Would you call it a comeback? <laughs> uh... <laughs> hey, well, seg- well, segue. Second attempt on the, on the, on the segue. Yeah, so, but we thought we'd talk about great sporting comebacks, and we're going to do this in uh, a series. Well, I say series, a series of two podcasts. Today, we're focusing on the men, which is apt because reese just said penis so it worked for this this episode and but first off reese what's your greatest ever comeback in life my greatest comeback in life yeah just just personally in a sporting Uh, sense well well mr greenway um that would be my fifa comeback um so ladies and gentlemen we're all aware of what fifa is and um, I was I was having a game of my life. I, I got absolutely destroyed by PSG in the Champions League. Um, I was I, I was you know quite many goals down, and I was Ajax, and I had a great Ajax team with the likes of Asensio and Vinicius Junior. I had Rabiot in my team as well, and Timo Werner, and we got absolutely mullered by PSG, and I wasn't happy with this. So we we brought them back to the uh, Ajax. Amsterdam Arena, and I mean, I said we were five-two down after the first leg. Bring them back, and do you know? I don't think you've ever had this, guys. But when you have like a when you're really intense, your hands, your palms are sweaty. Your you know yeah. your brows sweaty. Or your knees. And weak. yes, arms are heavy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I uh, I managed to beat PSG four-nil. Uh, with a last-minute penalty by Timo Werner um, for a dubious handball. Um, <laughs> dubious handball. Hashtag fuck VAR. And, um, <laughs> and I, I, I won. And it took me a good 30 seconds to realise this wasn't real life. 
it was a computer, it was a video game. And when I ran into the living room in just my, my boxers and my mom is staring at me going, what the fuck are you doing with her friend? Is sitting on the settee. <laughs> um, yeah, it was time to go back in my room and continue on with my FIFA career. So yeah, <laughs> Nathan, that is my greatest sporting comeback. God, I've just realised that Reese runs into the living room celebrating FIFA in front of his mum and her friend, and Jimmy eats bread out of the fridge. I know. I mean, what what are we putting up with here, Nathan? Carl, when you said oh, fight brow earlier. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with eating bread at the fridge? God, why no, are you yeah, eating well, bread no. in the fridge? <laughs> no, no, I don't put bread in the fridge, but you know, each their own. Means, turn this, turn uh, this podcast off right now. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Yeah, maybe this isn't the hill to die, <laughs> but bread is not in the fridge. <laughs> Carl, what's your greatest comeback? My greatest comeback is. I haven't got one. It's not happened yet. No. You're still working on it. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. That's almost as sad as. I mean, getting reemployed a month after being made redundant was a pretty decent comeback in life. There I, you go. I thought. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here. Oh before. man. <laughs> see, look, he's he see, look, mine was, you know, mine was a, a very. Enjoy a joyous time in my life, and just Carl makes mine look shit by getting reemployed. <laughs> Carl did adult things. I'm an old man. I'm an old man. Carl did adult things. <laughs> it's just so old. Your comeback could be learning how to use Skype. <laughs> Nathan, what's your greatest comeback? Probably just then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, were, there was a time primary school football uh, I used to play on the wing as a young boy went in at half time 3-0 down ended up winning 5-3 that's school. impressive pretty good I was like 9 or 10 but it still counts right yeah to school. Uh, yeah I did actually I got, oh, okay. second, well done. I got second in the 5 goal comeback I remember it vividly oh yeah so you're like the Emil, so you, you basically got the Emil Hess goal that no one ever talked about yeah, pretty much. But, you know, uh, if I didn't score it, we would have still won. Yeah, you would have. So <laughs> it was a great but, comeback. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to shit on it. I'm sorry. Nah, it's, <laughs> fine. it's not. It's not as good as virtual life. But... No, nothing. <laughs> nothing is. Nothing is anymore, Nathan. If it didn't happen on a computer, it doesn't matter. <laughs> we're going to talk about some people that really pale in comparison to what we've just spoken about. And uh, we're just going to kind of present, I guess we're going to kind of present some great comeback stories from sports that we love. Let's say we're doing, we're going to do the male side this week. Next week we'll be back uh, with females, with the women. And uh, Reese, do you want to open us up with a sporting comeback and tell us the story behind it? Uh, yes. Uh, so my first sporting comeback uh, is. It happened in 2005. Um, it was in uh, a city called Istanbul, which is in Turkey. And Carl, what's your uh, first one? <laughs> oh, you are horrible people. But um, <laughs> so it was the Champions League final, Liverpool versus AC Milan. Um, and this was my uh, my first, the first match I, I watched live on TV. I mean, I've been to football games prior to this. But this was the first one that I watched on TV with uh, my uncle. And, yeah, it starts, well, in your guys' case, absolutely perfectly here at the final. Uh, AC Milan race into a 3-0 lead at halftime. And... And then Steven Gerrard inspired Liverpool to uh, to get three goals in the second half. And then a Jersey Dudek penalty save over Andre Shevchenko. It gives uh, Liverpool the Champions League, their fifth Champions League title. And yeah, it was... I, I can't describe how it was. I was 10 years old uh, when this happened. And I'm not a Liverpool fan, but the sheer... 
euphoria of seeing a team that that kind of performance it really stokes my love of football even more yeah it's probably what? um probably stevie g's finest moment and not that he's lacking them really in a Liverpool shirt but that was really so that in the FA Cup final against West Ham yeah yeah I mean I, I watched that match live with my dad the Eastern Bull one and yeah even I sort of got caught up in it a little bit to be honest during the comeback it was pretty special especially when you just look at the team sheets on paper and you see the talent that AC Milan had oh that, that... at that time they caca I that mean, AC never... Milan team was, oh, it was, sorry, Carl, that, that AC Milan team was just mm. probably the best squad ever assembled in terms of players that they actually said, Perlo, Kaka, Inzaghi, Cafu, Maldini, yeah. Nesta, Dida. It was just, it was a sight to behold. And the, the regret I have is not being old enough to appreciate those players at the time. They were yeah. very amazing. Yeah, it was ahead of the squad. But uh, yeah, it, it really just makes it. One thing I'll never understand about Champions League final is why Steven Gerrard didn't start. And obviously, he, he showed he should have done first off. Yeah. Or, or maybe if he did start, that second half comeback wouldn't have happened. Because he obviously went in. Yeah. Absolutely hyped up to a million to prove a point. I mean, they were completely outplayed in that first half. I mean, it looked like they had no chance. So, how they, how they pulled it off? Something special. It was... Oh, it was, it was just... It was so good. It was just... I mean, even the semi-final before, it was incredible. Chelsea versus Liverpool, where everyone thought Chelsea were... were they were destined to win it. Mourinho was there and... Um, Everyone thought it was going to happen, and then it was the goal that wasn't a goal but was given a goal the Luis Garcia one. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I don't think we would have had the spectacle that we got if it was Chelsea in the final. Um, probably not. Probably would have seen a Jose special and a 1 0 win somehow for Chelsea. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm just, just looking back. I'm, I'm looking on the, the, their routes to the, the final, the respective routes. Um, a shocking one is Mal- who Milan beat in the semi-final. Do you two know who Milan beat in the semi-finals? Oh, I um, no, I can't yeah, remember, no, and I we're can't. not going to talk about I it. Can't, I can't, I can't think. Next, I think we we were meant to just so, to talk about the. Final. Don't we need to? Don't we need to move along to someone else's pick, um, Nathan? God, <laughs> no, 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 what's, no, no, your, no. what's your first one? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean people? No, they they beat PSV in the semi-finals, which was a a, 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 a random one to have in the, the semi-finals, but. First round knockout, they, they did beat a, a mid-table team from Manchester. Um, so, not not naming who they are. Um, <laughs> I think we're aware. But, yeah, I just, yeah, that, that for me, that, that that's uh, the epitome of fighting spirit in football is never giving up. Um, especially, since said, Steven Gerrard missed Liverpool, inspiring them to, uh, to the comeback. And so, yeah, that, that's my number one pick. It's good. I just wish people would talk about it more. Like, I don't think, I, I just don't think Liverpool fans talk about it enough. They don't, do they? No. no I, I don't think they bring it up at all. I think a lot of them don't know that Istanbul is a city <laughs> and not a word to describe <laughs> Champions League final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Istanbul. Where are you going there? <laughs> just like... They don't go on about their 18 titles anymore, though, for some strange reason, do they? They stopped all that one. Can't, can't think why now. Ah, uh, they're the European champions. We should probably be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Carl, bring, bring, us, bring us back up after that sort of bad start. Okay, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to start in reverse order. And my first pick is... Um, from the America's Cup, the sailing, when um, the Oracle team, um, which is uh, Team USA, representing the, the Golden Gate Yacht Club, were taking USA, on USA. Were taking on the, the Emirates team from New Zealand. Um, 
the Royal New Zealand Yacht, Club, uh, Yacht Squadron, actually, uh, they were called. Now, this is a best of 17 series, um, which is raced over three weeks, I think, something like that, from what I've uh, managed to look up. People can correct me if I'm wrong. But anyway, they, um, the America's team, they were at one point trailing 8-1 and looked absolutely, completely finished. Um, I've found contradicting reports on when he was actually brought in, but they actually turned to a Brit in uh, Olympic medalist, multi-Olympic medalist, uh, Sir Ben Ainsley. He replaced someone called John, I'm going to murder his surname, I'm afraid, Kuschecki, as a um, team tactician. And with his help, they were able to turn it round, win eight races in a row, and um, he managed to win the America's Cup 9-8 on the deciding day. So that was a, a very in, a very impressive um Come back, one that's still talked about. Yeah, that, I do remember that. What year was that? Uh, 2013. It was surprisingly last few years ago. Yeah, I do. Really? I, I, I thought that was a lot. I thought that was a lot longer, or, or much further uh, along than 2013. I thought that was like 2010 or something yeah. like that. Because uh, you're younger, though, to, than me. It probably <laughs> feels like a, a longer time ago. Well, it does, though. Because I know 2013 <laughs> feels like yesterday to, to me. <laughs> it, well, yeah, it was got... fresh off uh, Ben Ainsley's uh, heroics at the 2012 Olympics yeah, as well. So. Exactly, yeah. But um, it really solidified him as a, a true sort of sporting hero as well. He, not that he wasn't one already. And it might not have got the coverage in the UK as well if he hadn't been um, called in to um, help them out as well. I think, was thing about him not being, I think it was the thing about him not being on the team anyway before it happened. Something like that. Yeah, he was called in. He wasn't, yeah, he wasn't in the team to begin with. He was called in because they were getting thrashed to, um, to replace someone else as a team, as team tactician. Those Americans need us, really, don't they? Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I, I think with um, I think did that get him his knighthood? Or was he already a knight before he got before he won the American? No, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure. But I don't think that had anything to do with his knighthood. His knighthood was um, well, services to sport overall, but probably due to winning gold medals at every regatta. He's entered. He's real well, good at saving. He is. He's very good at sitting down and moving a piece of cloth. <laughs> uh, yeah, just like boats of engines now, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but no, yeah, I do remember that. It was pretty great. I'm going to present a similar comeback. Uh, just because it involves the same number, which is eight. And that is the great, the Black Bull final, 1985. Snooker at the Crucible. Dennis Taylor against Steve Davis. And Dennis Taylor at one point was training 8-0 after the opening session. That's session, zone, And he was able to pull it off and bring it back, and it ended up at 17 all. And the final frame, and the final frame went down to the final ball which was the black. Whoever potted it won. They ended the final ended up ending after midnight, uh, which is very late for for snooker, but not if you'd have played pool in the pub, to be honest. That's pretty no, early. It was, it was, but, it was uh, well, past, well past my bedtime as a five-year-old at, uh, yeah. at that time. Nathan, how old were you at that time? In 1985. I've been minus seven. I was minus 10. Yeah. I was plus five. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it ended up being watched by 18 and a half million people watched this on the BBC. And Dennis Taylor pulled it off from 8-0 down to end up getting it. Steve Davis missed a rather easy black, but it's probably not as easy in the, in the pressure situation that he was in. But it is one that people talk about still to this day. It's possibly the greatest snooker match of all time. A hell of a comeback. 
Oh, it was. Um, I mean, you're looking in the 80s. Steve Davis was impossible to beat. He was, he was Mr. Snooker. He made snooker this what what this phenomenon that it became, and to, basically, so he he was able to go professional with it. I'm, I'm right in saying, and he for, for Dennis Taylor to, to to I mean, Dennis Taylor's only major for that I think was the 1978 UK Championship. I think I'm. I'm right in saying I might, I might have, you know, just completely butchered that, but no one, no one expected Dennis Taylor to win that final, especially as you said, being eight nil down. Yeah, definitely. After the first, to be eight nil down after the first session, like you're, you're calling, well, you're calling the match off at that point. Yeah, and I can't remember any. I, I used to watch a hell of a lot of snooker back in the day, and I can't remember a a, a final that's gone down to a respotted black. Like, yeah. like that, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It's definitely one for history. It will never stop. It will never stop being talked about, especially given it is the fight. It's the final at the Crucible. Yeah, as well, which is the holy grail for snooker players. But Reese, what is your second contribution to the sporting comebacks? Uh, my second one is Tiger Woods. Um, so Tiger Woods has, uh, I think 2008 had some very public issues come out about his personal life. He was, to put it in a better phrase, doing the nasty with other people and not his wife. And everything spiraled from there. He derailed, he lost his number one status in the world. He tumbled down through the rankings and was... And then he had a lot of back issues, and he also got arrested with his with, with his DUI, and everything. Just he looked like the husk of himself. He wasn't the Tiger Woods that I grew up watching, and you, I, I take YouTube seen Tiger Woods. And then the Masters this year, um, no one had Tiger Woods to win. I I certainly didn't. I thought it was going to be um, Kepka or Justin Johnson was going to win it, and. He was just steady the whole the whole weekend. He was steady, and then he gets to he gets the final round, and he's just it was like watching back in time. Tiger Woods in his prime comes back from nowhere, comes back, and he just absolutely holds his nerve. He wins by a stroke from uh, Dustin Johnson, and it was his his fifth green jacket and. It was. I mean, you look at it. Eleven years since his last major win, which was the US, was uh, the US Open two thousand eight. He's forty years since his last ma- his Masters, and he's forty three, the second oldest winner. And he was crazy. He only. was. He only led the tournament in the last round when Mol- Molinari just crumbled and yeah it was the first i mean it was also the first time he won a major but he wasn't leading after 54 holes which says a lot about how he didn't give up and he grinded away and he kept going and going and yeah tiger, to, to see tiger woods after all his issues and his injuries and everything back on top of the world with that masters win was incredible just fantastic yeah it just yeah. came out of nowhere he'd also he'd had loads of obviously all the injuries as well because he had a really bad back and everything like that and just to pull it all together for maybe one last time, we don't know because he's not because he, he's not done much since, has he? Well, he, he, he's missed the cut. Sorry, sorry, but with the, with the last couple with the last couple of majors, he's he's missed the cut. So um, yeah, I think he's done really well. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. Especially considering he had a lot of false starts of his back as well. He'd yeah, he's had quite a few operations and he'd come back and. He'd have to go away and have another operation because it wasn't quite right, wouldn't he? So definitely, yeah. And what Carl was just saying about the false starts as well, because he started playing and then his back would go again, and he'd be out for again it'd for ages. To, yeah, it'd have to be disheartening, wouldn't it? You know, to keep having to go back to the drawing board on his back, so, yeah, you know, to keep you know to keep plugging away and uh, coming back. Fair play to him. Well done, Tiger. From all of us here at Rogue Opinions. Yeah. <laughs> but Carl, what have you got for your second offering? Well, I think you're going to like this. And uh, Rahul, stop listening now if you even bother to listen to this one. That is. <laughs> but I'm going for the 1999 Champions League final: Manchester United versus um, Bayern Munich. Uh, 
No, unlike maybe the Liverpool one, we weren't massively behind, as in 3-0 down, but we were behind for most of the game. Yeah. Um, it wasn't, and time was ticking down. I mean, the game's pretty much we were behind from the sixth minute after a, a foul just outside the area, and I think it was Carsten Yanker who put the free kick away. Yeah, sounds put, right. Putting us on the putting us on the back foot, and um, I think it's important to mention that um, Man United was also about their captain Roy Keane and. Paul Scholes, who were sort of, you know, vital players throughout that season. Um, yeah, Bayern Munich had quite a couple of, quite a few chances really to put the game out of sight, didn't they? They uh, they hit the woodwork a couple of times, and there were some heroics by uh, Peter Schmeichel to keep us in it. But still, time was ticking down, and we were getting into extra time when we won a corner and. Peter Schmeichel went down to the other end. A, a true sign of desperation, if ever you see one in football, is the, the goalkeeper risking it and going down to the uh, opposition's box. And, Just heroes. Um, heroes all. Mm. And Number as I say, hardly any time on the clock. Beckham mm. whips the corner mm. in. I think Schmeichel did get, a, did get a touch on it, didn't he? I think. Yeah, he got something on it. Um, and then it found its way to Giggs, who... Made a complete mess of a shot, but then Sheringham picked up the pieces and slid it into the net for a vital equaliser in, uh, I think, the 91st minute, would it be? Uh, yeah, that was the 91st minute. Someone, uh, somewhere around. Somewhere what around an icon. Why is he then, not a knight yeah. yet? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you could, you could sort of see then that, um, as I remember, again, I was watching this one with my dad, uh, the cat, I scared the life out of the cat with my celebrations because I thought we were done for. And you could see the, you could see the by minute players just drop. And uh, my dad says, "You're going to win this in normal time." And I said, "Dad, don't be daft. It's going to go to extra time." But then again, but then we got another corner, and um, back and again swung it in, and it was uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, who uh, our current manager, who. Managed to hook it into the net for the vital winner. Pretty much, it was just, just just absolutely amazing. Off. It's just what happens when kind of a team somehow luckily gets ahead, but they're just sort of quality-wise, they're completely bang average in comparison to their opposition. And when you look at that Bayern <laughs> yeah. Munich side, and you're just going, "How the hell did they even get ahead?" It's kind of embarrassing on our part to even be behind at any point. I think, I think if we'd have had uh, first full first team out with Keane and Skulls available, it, it might have been a different story. To, to be perfectly honest, look, there's a lot of people that everything is pro wrestling, and there was a lot of people in that stadium that paid played uh, paid a lot of money to see a competitive final. So. I think that was our tactic going in, give the people what they want, which is a competitive match. <laughs> and uh, when it's time to bring it home, boys, we just knock in the two goals and go, nah, off you go, off you trot, guys, back to Munich, have a good time. And uh, yeah, we started a midfield of Nicky Butt and we had to play David Beckham in midfield. <laughs> yeah, Jasper, Jasper Blomqvist on the, on the wing, remember him. What an icon, <laughs> all of them, all of them icons. They should be knights, all of them. It's also yeah. worth pointing out we had to come back from behind in the uh, in the semi final against Juventus because we were two 0 down in eleven minutes. Yeah, there's a, <laughs> there's a side. I mean, that Reese's old friend um, Pippo and Zaggy uh, scoring the goals. Oh, I, I, I do. I, I think the, the best one of the best lines Alex Cook's ever said about uh, about a play was in Zaggy. He was born off side. <laughs> <laughs> he was a little bit, but uh, yeah, it was it was great. We we were just better better on the day. Uh, when you've got talent like Wes Brown on the bench, <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We just need Wes um, Brown sometimes. I can't say anything about Jonathan Green. He, he was a legend for my football club. So uh, yeah, he didn't even make it on the pitch. Sorry, Jonathan. No, he he was a uh, yeah. He was uh, he was our captain for many years. Was old John and uh, 
he played guys. in that cherry. He played in that cherry game not long ago, and uh, he was he only retired like a year before, so he was just so much better than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> cheating when they do that. Yeah, what a team. We had so many injuries going into that final. Yeah. Looking at the team sheet now. And in Berger's injured as well, I think, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't about. We had like, we really, we were onto, near enough onto the reserves. Well, Wentz Brown probably was in the reserves in 1999. Yeah, he'd have been probably under 21s, I would have thought, at that point. I don't know. I've got the team book now. You think about that bad? (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, it's a good, it's a good team. But then when we're playing like a a young David Beckham who was a winger at that point, and we're having to play him in central midfield. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I will say that going back to a comment you made about you know teams of quality and against you know that they shouldn't have won it. Do you remember Chelsea won it? Uh, yeah, well they had Fernando I- Torres, so they were always going to. <laughs> <laughs> Like you can't deny quality, and again, when you when you end up playing a team in the final with such bang average nature, and just sort of the word chokers comes to mind, <laughs> and <laughs> when you're just playing a team that just really shouldn't be there, and of anything like that, at any help. time of life, a team that takes the lead and then just freezes like cowards. I know, yeah. <laughs> and it's just really on there. And look, at this in 1999, when you see Oli Gunnar Solskjaer coming on, you, you know you're screwed. And in 2000 and whatever year it was, I don't know, when you just see Fernando Torres and you just go, you know what, guys, pack it in, off back to Munich. <laughs> We've lost at this point. We're cowards and we're, we're chokers. Wasn't, wasn't, it at, wasn't it at Munich, that one, actually? Yeah, so at least they didn't have to go far. So... Um, they're just sort of just packing couldn't, it in and it's just... Couldn't even win it on their own fucking ground, for no, Christ's sake. No, two World Wars <laughs> and one World Cup and all that. And thrown away two Champions League finals. Like, uh, well, I said it already, <laughs> cowards. Um, <laughs> I hope Rill listens to this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, well, Score, score first in two finals and throw it away. They've actually done it again. They've bottled. They bottled another one. Um, they did it in '87 against Porto. They basically they were winning. The Porto scored two late goals to, to beat them. Uh, so it's in their blood. Mm, yeah, really. It's what a team. That's <laughs> what a team's built on. Really, it's just you know a foundation of. Frail, awful. They can't even hold on to players like Robin anymore either, can they? No, Robin Bond. would rather retire than be involved with them anymore. <laughs> That's pretty much what happened there. I mean, I mean, you look at it, yeah. Bayern Munich, they are probably the world's biggest chokers, aren't they? I mean, like recently, the only time they've won a Champions League, they had to face inferior opposition from their terrible league. Hey, hey, uh, hey, hey. Well, sorry. All right. Um, apologies. They did really well at the weekend, and um, <laughs> and um, so so yeah. But they'll be back in the final at some point. But I wouldn't bother buying tickets or putting the money on them. No, don't ever do that. Don't don't ever do that. Just a question, though. I, I do have a serious question. I'm not United in the Champions League this year. No. Well, can we uh, cut? cut? <laughs> no, we're, we're busy propping up a different tournament. What plane to you from Narnia? Narnia's not real, Reese. Don't say sorry. that. Sorry, sorry, mate. No. Aww. Yeah, sorry. When they say the three lions, it's just a metaphor. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for clearing that. Thank, right. thank we'll, we'll keep Reese quiet when we uh, beat West Brom in the Premier League. Oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> God, you support West Brom and you just gave a stick about which European competition we're in. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, hey, 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 hey. 
I'm realistic with my team. <laughs> <laughs> um, good. It's always good to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, Nathan. What, what's your? Uh, what's your? Uh... I forgot why we were here. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to keep it on the unlikely last-minute comeback train and talk about the French Open final, 1999. Andre Agassi uh, taking on Andre Medvedev. Hopefully I've said that right. Sorry, Andre, if you're not, if you're listening, I know you're a big fan. And uh, (laughs) uh, Many people believe at this point in 1999, Andre Agassi had quite a long career. Always, He'd won every single slam apart from the French. Uh, People kind of write this off as his last chance. So the obvious thing to do is to lose the first set in 19 minutes, 6-1. He then lost the second set in... A bit longer. He gave it sort of 20, 25 to 30 minutes to lose it 6 2. But then all of a sudden, the comeback was on, and Andre Agassi completed his set of grand slams, winning the next three 6 4, 6 3, 6 3 to lift the French Open title and complete the set of grand slams. Which is always good because I'm sure Steffi Graf was giving an unbelievable shtick for not having one. Yeah. I'm, not sure they were, I'm not sure they were together back then, actually. He was with Brooke Shields for a bit, wasn't he? Good God, you try and make a joke around here. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke? Can't so, disrespect oh, uh, Sorry, sorry. Didn't realise that was a joke. <sighs> Fuck's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a great player that uh, many people kind of written off on clay for some reason, similar way that people kind of wrote off Pete Sampras. Obviously, Pete Sampras was never able to overcome that and never got a French Open, but Andre Agassi was able to. But to pull off a two-set comeback uh, kind of quite late in his career against kind of a young, much younger opponent really shows kind of the quality that Andre Agassi had and probably still has if he ever gets on a tennis court. But to complete the set as well, not many players, given the amount of professional tennis players there are, not many players get to do that. Not many players even get to win one. Do you, do yeah. you think he's underrated as a tennis player? Or do you think he's properly rated? Well, Andre Agassi. I think he's yeah. properly, properly rated. He's seen as what well, he is just potentially one of the best returners the game's ever seen. Uh, he was kind of the one of the people that kind of paved the way for players like Leighton Hewitt because everyone was serving volleying. And then Andre Agassi would kind of more play from the back of the court and became one of the, and he was a real grinder of a player like he wouldn't necessarily out hit you although he had that quality he would just always get the ball back in play you say kind of paved the way in the late 90s and early 2000s for players like Leighton Hewitt who would also go on to win a couple of grand slams uh, but I think he's properly rated but I think he kind of changed the he more changed the way people played which is from the back of the yeah. court and he, but that's also because he never had to serve you didn't have the big power serve that Pete Sampras uh, or uh, Boris Becker had. He had to change it up. Uh, and But no, I think he's properly rated. Yeah, he was um, He was always talked about. I mean, I didn't watch a lot of tennis back in the days when Agassi was in his prime, but he was always talked about. He didn't win, shed loads of titles like your Federer's and Sampras's, but he was still really good. And uh, as you say, to complete the the Grand Slam Hall. It's um, super impressive in anyone's book because not every, as you were saying about Sampras, not every player masters each surface, do they? No, Pete, uh, Pete Sampras always struggled on clay because uh, clay, clay was a lot slower surface back then. But, I mean, Andre Agassi won his, he certainly won his fair share of Grand Slam. He's got eight of them. Oh yeah, so, yeah. I'm not saying he didn't win many, but not not you know as up there as Federer's. Yeah, and it'd be it would be his only French Open uh, title as well. We're going, he only won one Wimbledon back in '92, um, but he, he had a hell of a career. But it's just a hell of yeah. a comeback, especially in a Grand Slam final. Uh, is is there's great people like Novak Djokovic pulled off a great one in 2011, two sets down to Federer. Um, match point down at one point and came back to win it. But when we're talking about a two-set comeback in a Grand Slam final on put arguably your weakest surface, like 
that's that's what dreams are made of really yeah and it's um, determination and talent as well isn't it 100% he had all those personal problems as well that he's talked about in his book if you ever read that he had a bit of problems with kind of alcohol and drugs and stuff and he was obviously where uh, he struggled when he lost his hair as well yeah I was going to mention that fake thing as well and he still he did have a kind of a bit of a dip because that uh, was almost career. that was almost his gimmick in a way, wasn't it? His long hair. Yeah, it was a bit. Well, he had a bit of a dip in kind of the mid to late nineties, anyway. Kind of the 96, 97, 98 mm. uh, were perhaps his greatest uh, years. Although he won the ninety six Olympics um, gold medal, so he did still do something there. But yeah, I think he pulled it back, completed his set. He went on to win three more Grand Slams, all of which, oh no, sorry, four more Grand Slams. Because uh, he won the US Open later that year, and then he won three more Australian Opens as well to kind of end his career on a high, which is better than what was kind of happening in the yeah. late 90s. Yeah. I, you look at that the, in terms of tennis, the 90s was Sampras and uh, Agassi. Yeah, you had Edberg and stuff like that, but no, it's, all, it's always. Talk about nineties era tennis. It's always Pete Sampras and Andre Agassi for me. Then a bit like Nadal and Djokovic of the the two thousand. Yeah, I mean Federer's obviously always there, and uh, as well. But I mean the mid to late nineties kind of the surfaces were so different, whereas now they're kind of a bit more similar in a way. Uh, but clay was so much shorter, so that's why we'd always see like the South Americans or the Spanish or the Portuguese kind of always playing best on those surfaces. Uh, with like Carlos Moyes, and I always must say that Curtin as well would win a couple of French Opens, and it was just um, for some reason it was the surface that the big guy, the big players like your Sam Press would always struggle on, but Agassi finally broke through, broke the mold a little, broke the mold a little bit, and completed his set, which is probably maybe something I don't know, you'd have to ask him, but it's probably something he's most proud of. Yeah, big time. There we go, and then uh, we're doing three each, so final rounds. Reese, on to you. What's the final thing for us? Mine is it's a bit of a story. So it starts off in 2015 um, in Dusseldorf, November 28th, um, Vladimir Klitschko versus Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury does what nobody thought was possible, and he beat Vladimir Klitschko for uh, basically the WBA, IBF, WBO, the ring, and lineal heavyweight titles. And he, he, there was two projected rematches. They both got called off, and Tyson Fury had a lot of mental problems. Um, he put on a lot of weight. He was on cocaine, drinking, uh, thought about committing suicide, and to see a man go from arguably the greatest achievement of his life to what he did in the subsequent three years was it was sad to see it was sad to see a man as uh, achieve his dream and lose it and his comeback I'm not talking about the Safari fights or the Pianetta fight because they were just they were just mess about fights they were just basically say look I'm, I'm, I'm Tosha Fury I'm back I can beat these people I'm talking about, and I, I'm going to jump ahead now to the 1st of December 2018 uh, in the Staples Centre Los Angeles Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury did you two watch that fight? I did yes uh, I I didn't know because I, I can't be bothered to fork out for these things <laughs> well I, I watched it live I was I was on the edge of my seat for the whole fight, and to see a man and take on arguably the best puncher in boxing today, in Deontay Wilder, and to come away with a draw, in my eyes he won. Nathan, I don't know if you agree or not. Um, I would probably, I think at the time I was kind of, wasn't happy with the draw, but I would kind of put it at a draw. But I'm, I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan of the knowledge of boxing. <laughs> just to, I think I think it just speaks volumes of the factors that it, that the mantra is don't give up. The fact 
race. Yeah, the fact he got up. So with with, with the Tyson Fury thing, it was just to just to see him it, to get I, the, the final thing of it was me when he got knocked down twelfth, and he does the Undertaker sit up. The look on De- Deontay Wilder's face when he sits up is just—it's a picture. He just looks and goes, "What? What the fuck? I've hit the man with my hardest punch, and he still gets up." And the fact is, he kept going, and he kept going, and he kept going. Just speaks volumes of what, for me, a hero that Tyson Fury is to a lot of people who suffer from mental health problems, who drug problems, and they can look to Tyson Fury as a beacon of hope for them. The fact they can see that man there. And I know he said some comments in the past that uh, are questionable and he's done some things that are questionable, but don't focus on that. Just focus on this part of him. And I'm not going to lie, I was inspired by Tyson Fury and I am inspired by Tyson Fury for his fight against against himself, basically, as he said. And I, I, I can't name, I can't think of another person who's been able to do that to the degree that he has recently. Yeah, um, no, it's it's pretty impressive what he's done. Special to because not everybody has the the strength to overcome these sort of mental problems, or or not in a way to get back into sort of fighting shape and take someone of the caliber of Deontay Wilder to a to a draw. Yeah, I think um, what he's done is great. And discounting all the things he said in the past, if we just talk about sporting the sporting side of the battle you went through there, then, um, yeah, he is. I think if he definitely, if he ends up lifting a, lifting a couple of titles or, or a title again, uh, then it's certainly a story kind of for the ages. And yeah. that'll kind of put him, put him out in, put him up in history. as uh, perhaps one of the best heavyweights, especially in recent years. I think as well, I think about him is, yeah, it's all it's fantastic what he did, but, a lot of props has to go to Deontay Wilder as well. I think Tyson Fury needed Deontay Wilder. And I think Deontay Wilder needed Tyson Fury. I think they need... Yeah, because the heavyweight division isn't exactly full to the brim with talent at the moment. Yeah. But what, what I mean by they needed it, I think Fury needed Deontay Wilder to basically bring him out again. I think Deontay yeah, Wilder. I think Deontay needs a lot of credit for what for what he made scale out of Tyson Fury, which was a man that was he was possessed by the desire to beat him, and Deontay Wilder was possessed with that desire as well. And I, I for one, can't wait for that rematch. Yeah, yeah, it should be I'll a pretty be watching it. But yeah, it'd be a pretty intense rematch. I would have thought. Hundred mm. percent. Carl, over to you. Okay, my third and final pick is um, the late, great Nicky Lauda. A race in uh, 1976 in Germany again, the Nuremberg Ring, uh, smashed into uh, one of the barriers and uh, his car burst into flames. Uh, Some of the drivers stopped racing and uh, went to his aid. Luckily, um, they were able to pull him out, probably just in the nick of nick of time, as he he was um, in the car engulfed with flames for a hell of a long time. For you know, for that sort of scenario, um, but uh, yeah, they pulled him out. Unfortunately, he suffered horrific burns to his uh, head and face. But even worse and more devastating than that, which we which wasn't known at the time, was um, the smoke inhalation. Because um, so, so, some of the things that caught fire in the car produced toxic flames, which, as he was in there, he, he unfortunately breathed in, and um, this um, completely messed him up, basically. He, he passed out into a coma. He was rushed to hospital. Uh, he was read his last rites, but somehow he, he managed to pull through. Um, but not just, um, you know, fighting to stay alive and coming back round. He, he also had to go through um, having his lungs cleaned out, which uh, they have to do while you're awake, and it's a, 
a pretty horrendous procedure to to go through. So he had to he had to go through all that to get rid of all the crap that had uh, settled in his lungs. But despite all that, he he returned to racing, and and not a year later, not like six months later, but forty days later. I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine that? You know, almost being burnt alive, almost dying from smoke inhalation, and then forty days later, you return to that sport. I mean, the I don't think you'd even be allowed to these days. I don't think they'd let you. No, um, no, no chance. But uh, you know the you know the burns haven't healed properly. Had a special helmet, and you could barely put it on before the race because he was still in that much pain. I think I think I forgot this right. But I think he managed to finish fourth in that race. I mean, it's completely mind-boggling in my book. How he came back so soon, and he only ended up losing the championship to James Hunt by one point, and that was because he um, retired in the last race because it was raining, and because of his past experiences, it just he decided it was too risky and wasn't worth the risk. So he he actually stopped racing and uh, retired from the race. He did win the World Championship the following year and again in 84. And, um, yeah, I just think it's um, a remarkable, you know, he was read the last rights. He wasn't expected to pull through. And, yeah, he was back in the car a mere 40 days later. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't make it up, really, could you? No, it's crazy. <clears throat> And also, uh, I, I just was, you know, I know, I, I know it's uh, a thing, but rest in peace, Nicky Rader as well. Sadly, died this year. Yeah, great loss to the racing community. And then, uh, and also Hamilton winning Monaco for him. I think that was a fantastic, uh, fantastic way to to say goodbye to a, a Formula One legend. Yeah, as well as because he uh, he had so much to do with. Uh, the Mercedes team as well as a non-executive chairman, you know, he probably had a lot of input in that team because he, he really knew how to set up cars and how racing worked. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, just, just, I just want a man to have reigned you, just the knowledge hmm. that he can impart on you. I mean, if I was Lewis Hamilton, I'd be sitting there just lapping it up. Yeah, definitely. But uh, that is probably one of the best comebacks of all time. Just yeah, I think the way that he was able to do it, the will he had to keep going uh, through everything, he could have easily said he was done. But... Yeah, I mean, he openly admitted um, when he got back into the car, he was he was scared to death at first. So, yeah, so he had to overcome, you know, he had to overcome that fear as well as his his incredible injuries. Have you watched what rush? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's quite accurate uh, I, actually, because I've watched documentaries about what happened, and it's you know it's it doesn't go far from the truth. To be fair, yeah, no, I, no, that, great film, yeah, definitely. So that can be that can be our that can be our recommendation for the week. If you've not watched Rush, go watch Rush. Yeah, definitely, it's an awesome film. It is fantastic. Ron Howard again. Uh, Ron Howard's a fantastic director as well. Apollo Thirteen's a great film. So, yeah, and both uh, both leads, um, Christopher Hems, Chris Hemsworth, and um, is it James James Brule? Um, Daniel Daniel Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Brule. That's it. Sorry, they they play their respective characters spot on as well. They really nail the roles. Yeah, superb yeah. film. So- Go watch Rush. But I think those are some great sporting comeback. I think Nicky Lauder and his story, especially since we lost him this year as well, is a good way to end. I think that's the best one uh, out of all, all the comebacks we've suggested. I don't think anyone's going to pop Nicky Lauder. Um, yeah, it's Tyson Fury if he ends up becoming world world heavyweight champion again, could perhaps get near it. But Reese, would you agree? Yeah, I, I can't dispute that at all. I think Nicky Lauda, the, the, the sheer growth showed the to, to come back from. I, I I think what it is is that coming back after that that quick it just beggars belief. It I really mean, does. As I say, these days the, the sporting of 
even if you thought you could or you wanted to, the, the sporting authorities just wouldn't let you in this day and age. And, and, and let's be honest as well, he lost the title by a point, just one point. That, yeah, that, it's that, just I mean, insane. It's insane I mean, to even think about. I mean, he probably would have won if he hadn't, have, um, as I said, um, retired himself. I think, yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I don't think anything that we, we say will be uh, Nicky Lauda. So, yeah, fantastic one. Fantastic entry. Good stuff. And uh, if you check us out on Medium, the link is on our Twitter. Uh, that's at Rogue underscore opinion. Anthony Fitzpatrick did a nice write-up on Nicky Lauda not long ago. So, uh, yeah, go give that a read worth. if you want any more definitely information. Uh, out. Yeah, it's way better than what our stupid mouth said. <laughs> and, uh, he wrote his down on virtual paper. Yeah, you can, uh, you can, sorry, I was gonna say you can you can articulate things a little bit better when you're you're writing because you got more time to think about what you're you're saying. Yeah, that's a good excuse. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, uh, but yeah, Reese, how was your first? How was your first day? I really enjoyed it, guys. It's fantastic to be to be back doing it um and yeah i i look forward to our next one which is um women's comeback in sport i think uh i think it'd be very interesting to see what we all come up with uh, for that one um i definitely have some research to do for that and i i think uh, i'm looking forward to see what you guys come up with yeah definitely yeah that would be, be a very one. interesting well, Reese, where can people find you on the internet if they want to find um, out more about you? So you can find me on Instagram for Bake Off, um, uh, Bake Off Stories at rsaunders9495. And you can find me on Twitter where I moan a lot about <laughs> wrestling. That's, That's what Twitter is for, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, at rsaunders1995. And follow uh, Rogue Yeah, follow Rogue Opinions. It's at Rogue underscore Opinion on the Twitter and the Instagram. Carl, where can humans find you? You can find me at Carlos underscore Fire89 on Twitter and Instagram. I've kept it simple and kept the same handle. Oh, so simple. And uh, like you can find simple. me. <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> yeah, he calls that simple. Mine is at Nathan Greenaway, which is my name. And uh, as I've already said, you can find Rogue Opinions at Rogue underscore Opinions. Check back through the feed. There's all sorts of nonsense going on. Uh, Carl and Sean are working their way through Doctor Who. Uh, you got... Uh, what else have we got? My mind's just gone blank. We've got um, Life is Strange and Life is Strange ah, Before is strange. the Storm, which we've covered. We've got Kayfabe Court. Hopefully we'll have a, a new one of those up uh, over the next couple of weeks. With any luck. We've got Naked Men with Nathan and Ben. Content podcast. Coming out of eyes where they are actually recording it in the bath. No, that's not true. Oh, and, that. <laughs> but and then all the all the grapple people's reviews from the weekend that just happened, and me and Jimmy for some stupid reason are going to review New Japan's Royal Quest. I don't know why I agreed to it. He said it on a podcast, and I felt like being polite. Oh, yeah, I mean as well. And we mentioned Tiger Woods uh, doing the nasty, and uh, Nathan and Jimmy will be doing the nasty. Uh, Shasta McNasty in a, oh, in a punishment oh, part. I forgot about that. Yeah, we did lose the <laughs> prediction. So, review of the apparently critically acclaimed Shasta McNasty <laughs> pilot episode from 1999 will be coming. The show lasted not even its full season, if you want to know how bad it is. I've not watched it yet. But I hear terrible things. You'll probably <laughs> love it, like with Total uh, Total Demon. Hey, it's hey, a good show, hey. <laughs> and I like it now. I've watched fifteen episodes. <laughs> 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 I'm really I watched, into it. I watched the three I had to, and that was it. <laughs> oh, it's a great show, man! I can't wait for it to come back. But catch up. I watched them all. Yeah, I'm working my way through it slowly. Oh, you're in for a treat. I know, I know. But uh, otherwise, yeah, Jimmy and Scott are also watching Retro Smackdown. So they will have a retro retro review of Rebellion 1999 coming up soon. 
Uh, hopefully this weekend when I will be joined by a mystery guest. I don't know who it is. That isn't me being coy. So, uh, <laughs> but otherwise, cheers for listening, guys. Carl, thank you. Reese, you can stay for now. Yay! You've got a stay of execution. <laughs> stay of execution. But otherwise, <laughs> thank you, guys. Bye now. Bye. Get in there, Lewis. That one's for Nicky, mate. That one is for Nicky. That was definitely probably the hardest race I think I've had. But uh, nonetheless, you know, this is, I really was fighting with uh, the spirit of Nicky. Nicky's been such a, an influential person in our team, helping us get to where we are. So I know he'll be uh, looking down and I know he will take his hat off today. Uh, so I just was trying to stay focused and trying to make him proud. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of been the goal all week. And uh, we're going to try to continue that through the year, but we, we truly miss him. Lewis, that was a victory worth Nicky. Well done. Unbelievable job. Congratulations. And all around Monaco now. Those on the boats, in the grandstands and on the hill have brought their red caps with them and are doffing them to the three-time world champion, Nicky Lauda.